Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. We're going to continue a sermon series that I started a couple of weeks ago called Home for Christmas. And so we believe that God has some things that he wants to do in our homes um, for Christmas. And uh, that it's not just a holiday where we have presents and office parties, um, but we actually come together um, as families. I believe God wants to do something in our families um, to draw us together and make us stronger. Um, no matter where you're at in that, uh, in that sphere, whether you are a single person today, uh, you're a college student, um, you're preparing maybe for a family or you're going home to a family for Christmas, uh, or you're married, you're creating your own family here. Um, you have children, um, you have in-laws, um, you have problems. Uh, we want to help you. Not that those go together, but just, you know, just, just stream of consciousness. Um, we would like, we would like to, to help you see what God says about some of these things. And, um, and so today I'm going to have my lovely wife join me up here on the platform, honey. Come on up um, and just grab maybe the white, the white mic. Um, that's, a, that's a good one pull that off. And um, while she's doing that, um, we, we're, we've been dealing with different topics uh, every week, um, dealing with different topics of home life. And last week, uh, we talked about marriage. Ro and I talked about um, marriage. We talked about uh, being stumped. Um, the, the base scripture... <laughs> The stump scripture for this whole sermon series is found in Isaiah chapter 11. If we can put that up there, I would just like to read it again. And Isaiah chapter 11 gives us um, the, the, the family tree of Jesus. Uh, when you're speaking of home life and you're speaking of family, um, when Jesus was born, Jesus was born into a particular family. And his family tree uh, was not the best family tree. Uh, we read Matthew chapter 1 um, on the first Sunday, Matthew chapter 1, the first like 20 some verses tells us uh, Jesus' family tree, tells us his lineage. And it started off well with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, some really great patriarchs of the faith, continued on down to David who established the kingdom of Israel. He was also a man after God's own heart. Um, but then it leads us to a man named Jeconiah. And if you didn't hear that sermon, you ought to go back and listen to the podcast of it um, because we really talked a lot about Jeconiah because Jeconiah is the one who, Jeconiah jacked it up. Up for everybody. Um, Jeconiah jacked it up. So it's Jeconiah is his nickname. And uh, he, he messed it up. Yeah, he's, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and so he, he messed it up. And really, Jesus' family tree then was more of a stump. And so that's the Sunday where I tore down the Christmas tree and, and pulled out the stump. Um, because many of our families actually don't look as beautiful as this tree. They look more, more stumpy. <laughs> uh, like some stuff's been cut off. Some stuff has been taken, taken out. Some good things have been cut down. And um, when we read, do, do we have the scripture? Isaiah chapter 11 um, tells us that... Uh, there's a prophecy about the birth of the Messiah. It says a shoot 
will come up or a branch will come up from the stump of Jesse. So Jesus' family tree was stumped. And uh, I mean, it was that right down to the root. And from the root, from the stump, a branch will bear fruit. This is the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And of course, we see that Jesus came forth and suddenly life started coming out of his dead family tree. And so we want to see life come out of your family trees and my family tree. We want to see God redeem and restore um, everything that has been cut down, everything that has been lost. And he can start with a stump. But uh, we've been dealing with different areas of our lives, of our families um, that have been stumped. And uh, last week we talked about marriage, how, um, and we shared personally just a time when our marriage was stumped. Um, yeah, anybody who's ever been married, you've been stumped. You've, you've come across something that's too big for you. You've come across something that you can't quite figure out. And the two of you can't quite figure out. You reach an impasse. You reach a point where it's like, I don't see how this is going to work. You, you, you get stumped. And if you've never been stumped, A, you've never come into that close of a relationship with somebody. Um, because anytime two humans come together, they're, they're going to get stumped. Or B, you, you've, just, you've, you've just lived with the stump. And uh, you've decorated the stump, you put lights on the stump and put presents around the stump. And that's just, that's, that's your version of, of marriage. And I believe God has so much more for you. Um, God, God has growth. He has, he has a plan where every single year you can look back and say, we grew in this area. We grew in that area. We grew in that area. And if you're looking back over this year and you're like, I don't know that we grew in any area. You're stumped. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations. You know what it is to be stumped. Um, to be stumped is to not move. To be stumped is to not grow. To be stumped is to not get closer together, to not become more forgiving, more connected. Um, and so, um, last, last week we started talking about that. And then last Sunday night, how many of you joined us on Facebook Live? We went in the group and answered some anonymous questions. Yeah, we had about 30 some people. Um, that was actually really cool. I really enjoyed that as a follow up to the sermon. So there were some things that might have been a little uh, risque to talk about on Sunday morning. And we said, we're going to talk about those in the Facebook group and you can ask your anonymous questions. And so for about 45 minutes, Ro and I sat down in our living room and just shared a little bit deeper. Um, and so that's something we want to do moving forward from time to time, just have some evenings where we sit down and just take anonymous questions. But um, really last week, we only got through half of our sermon. Uh, we talked about the first part of if you're stumped in your marriage, the first thing you need to do is look at your own heart. Uh, you need to examine your own heart, see what is going on on the inside, because um, usually what's going on inside of us, it's affecting what's happening between us. And so uh, that sermon is on the podcast from last week. But today we want to talk about the next step in, in marriage and really in all of life is to lean on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we must learn to lean on the Holy Spirit. The secret to your happiness and mine is your ability and my ability to lean on the Holy Spirit. Um, the secret to a Christian's happy life is leaning moment by moment on the Holy Spirit. And so we want to talk about that today and how that specifically how that applies to marriage. Um, and we want to go back to that scripture that we read from Job last week. Job was also stumped and Job had a couple things to say about a stump that we believe is applicable um, to, to our marriages. He starts off in Job 14. He says, there is hope for a tree. Um, 
Yeah. That's, 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 that's actually the key line. Um, uh, there's, there's hope for your stump. There's, there is, <laughs> there is hope for a tree if it has been cut down. Um, no matter, no matter where, where you are, what you're facing, this is what we want you to get out of this sermon series is that when we talk about home for the holiday, for, for Christmas, we're not, we, we're not trying to re, uh, heap condemnation on you for the way your home is. We don't want you to feel bad for what you've missed out on or what you haven't done. We want you to realize that there is hope. Would you, would, would you just say that with me? There is hope. Sometimes you got to let that just sink down. Just, just go ahead and say it again. Say, there, there is hope. Uh, Job 14 says, there is hope. Whatever you might be facing right now, you need to remember that... Yeah, whatever, like whatever is standing in your way, whatever giant is standing in your way, whatever Goliath is standing in the way of your marriage or your own personal life, you, it's, it's good to remind yourself every once in a while that there is, yeah, like, and anything that might, you might have lost, anything you might have messed up on, anything you might have damaged yourself, <laughs> Because it doesn't say who cut the tree down. It just says that no matter the level of your tree, no matter who's responsible or who's not responsible, what you have lost, misplaced, misused, abused, abandoned, there is always, according to the word of God, there is hope for that stump. There is hope for that family. There is hope for that person. And even if you're in the grave for three days, if you, if you can put your faith, you can be in the cave for three days, but if you can put your faith in a God who can do anything, who can restore anything, who can bless anything, who can heal anything, who can fix anything, bring anything back from the dead, you can know that there is hope for a tree that's been cut, for a life that's been cut down, for a family, for a marriage that's been cut down, for, for children that have been, for teenagers that have been cut. No matter where you are at or where you are at with respect to how far away you are from where you want to be, there is still hope. You have to let that sink down into your spirit. Hopelessness will get you to turn away from God so quickly. Hopelessness will cause you to turn away from a marriage. Hopelessness will cause you to turn away from a calling. Hopelessness will cause you to turn away from what God is doing in your life. You can, you, you, you can add, you, you can grow so much, but when you get to a place where you can't see any hope, you're done. You have finished growing. You have capped off have to still see hope. Job, Job was cut down. Job lost all seven of his kids. His wife left him. He lost his health. He lost all of his finances. His, his houses were destroyed. He lost all of his cattle. And, and he's looking at the stump of his life. And he says, I believe there is hope yes. if a tree has been cut down. Yes. And he's leaning and looking towards something that he believes God can do. He says, if a tree is cut down, it will sprout again. It's new branches then will not fail. You know, you can come back stronger. You can come back stronger. You can have branches that don't fail after other branches have failed. It says its roots will grow old in the ground and its stump can even die in the soil. But verse nine is the key. Yet at the scent of water... 
<laughs> it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. All you need is a little bit of water at the scent of water. And so what we want to encourage you to do is bring some water to your marriage. Bring some water. You know what? Bring some water to your life. <laughs> Why don't you bring some water to yourself? You'll be amazed what starts growing inside of you if you just get some water inside of you. Jesus said he is the water of life. He said, anyone who's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And, and, and it's amazing how, how when we are the driest, we run away from the, the water. <laughs> like when we, we run, we, we stay away from the water because we're so dry. It's amazing to me, the people who will stay away from God because they feel dry. And yet he is the water of life. How else can you find restoration and growth in your life other than going to the source of life? So, so really, how else can you find hope other than going to Jesus? It's a passage of scripture that um, I would just like to read for you today, the next slide, just to kind of, this is what we're going to be talking about uh, for the rest of the morning. Uh, Romans 15, 13, the Lord laid this on my heart to share with somebody this week, and I think it, I, he wants me to share it with all of you. He says, I pray that God, who is the source of hope, <laughs> I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Anybody want some joy and peace in the holiday season? Anybody would like 2019 to be more joyful and peaceful than 2018? Here's the key. Because you trust in him. When you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope. The kind of hope that grows back stronger than the hope that was lost before it. When you begin your hope by trusting in him. See, here's the deal. If, 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 if we can find hope for our marriages, if we can find hope for our homes, if we can look at our spouses and say, there's hope for you. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you just do that right now? Just get me out of this, this pit. Turn to somebody next to you if they happen to be married to you. Let them know that I believe there's, you know, there's hope for you. Just go ahead. Just there's hope for you. That's right, Chris. There's there's hope for you. Brenda thinks there's hope for you. I think maybe. And if there's hope for you, there's hope for us. Why don't you tell them there's hope for us? And if there's hope, if there's hope for us, there might be hope for this crazy country that we're living in right now. Because maybe. Maybe if husbands and wives can learn how to sit together in peace, maybe Republicans and Democrats can figure out. I'm saying we all want peace, but we can't get peace in our own home. Well, maybe I won't go there. How about you start in your home? How about you start in your living room? How about you stop arguing on Facebook with people about political views and look at your spouse and say, actually, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for us. We can do this thing. We can come together. Uh, even if she did vote for somebody else. All right. So we want to overflow. That's right. Your mic's not working. <laughs> It wasn't me. Am I 10 yet? 
Yes, so God is our source of hope. How do we lean on God? How do we lean on the Holy Spirit? I have so many stories of God being my comfort, the Holy Spirit being my comforter and bringing me comfort when I need it, bringing me grace when I need provision to live like He wants me to live. And last night I had an example. I was fast asleep at quarter to three in the morning, 2.45, and I woke up to this loud noise, because who knows, once you become a mother, you can't sleep through anything that sounds unusual. Your brain just wakes you up because there's a weird noise, and it was a loud humming noise, like an electrical humming noise, and you know when you're like half awake, half asleep, you're like, is that normal? I'm not sure. I don't think that's normal. I don't think I hear that every night at 2.45 in the morning. And so I was like, crap, I need to get up and go check this out. So I got up, got my jacket on, got my shoes on, went outside to find out. Because before I'd gone to bed, I'd heard a crashing noise outside the house. And um, I had just poked my head out the window. Oh, looks good. (laughs) Don't know what it was. (laughs) And I'd gone to bed. And, um, And so I went outside and I went to our air conditioning unit and it was making a loud noise. And I was like, ooh, bugger. And so I stood there for a minute. I was like, man, darn it. And so I walked back upstairs and I lay down in bed. My sweet husband slept through the whole thing. It's great. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, Harry can sleep through anything. He's got a gift. Yeah. And <laughs> a hum is not going to do it. You got it. It's not going. And I laid there and I started praying and I just said, Lord, Please, not the air conditioner. Please. It's cold out tonight, Lord. We need our heat. And I just started praying, and I felt very much the peace of God come over me. I bumped Harry. I said, babe, do you hear that noise? And poor Harry was in a deep sleep. He's like, I hear nothing. No, I hear nothing. I was like, babe, listen. And he could hear it. So the sweet man that he is, he gets on Google and starts Googling, why would your air conditioner start making this noise? And, you know, we start trying to problem solve. It's now 3.15 in the morning. And, and, um, and then he goes outside. He gets dressed, goes outside. And he comes back up. He's like, the air conditioner's not making a noise, but we can still hear this noise. And, um, and so... You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me insights into things, and I'll share one with you in a minute. The Holy Spirit had not given me this insight that night, but I've had the sinus infection, and I had put a humidifier beside me in the bed. I've had that humidifier three nights beside my bed. Harry comes back in the room. He's like, babe, he unplugs the humidifier, noise stops. Like, yes, yes, not the air conditioner. (laughs) That's the level of my expertise right there. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you what's going on, sometimes not. But I do. I mean, that air conditioner was making a horrible noise. Then it wasn't, and I'm all right with that. But, um, you know, in our relationship, in our relationship, in my relationship with the kids, in my relationship with other people, God will often bring me comfort when I need comfort. If I, you know, recently I had, um, I had heard some hard news, and I just had a day, and I'm not really a person who cries. I'm, I'm a little bit of a tough girl. And, um, and so I had a whole day where I was just crying on and off, and I really felt the Lord just being there with me and comforting me. He never, I never felt a reprimand. Sometimes I'll feel a reprimand from Him if I'm just angry or if I'm just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever, and I'll feel a reprimand. I never felt a reprimand from Him during that day. I just felt Him being with me, and He was quite all right with me grieving that day. He was quite all right. And when I woke up the next morning, it was all right. That day of crying was done and we are comforted and I moved on and it was, it was lovely. And he's given me grace when I need to, you know, when me and Harry have needed to sit down and have hard conversations, you know, everything inside of me just wants to be like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit down and have a hard conversation. But God gives me the grace to do that, to sit down, to want to have those hard conversations, to come out the other side 
after having had those hard conversations. And one of the biggest things the Holy Spirit does for me is he gives me insight into our relationship. And the other day, he had said, me and Harry were um, figuring out some stuff, and I felt like I was putting in a bunch of effort into solving this problem. You know, I just thought I was, like, getting an A. If I was a student in school, I was A+. Plus. Like, I'd put in a lot of effort, and, and um, Principal Harry over here didn't seem to have recognized that because we hadn't reached the result yet. We hadn't got the result that we needed. And, um, and so, <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's what I deal with right there. And, <laughs> and, and so the, the Holy Spirit had said to me, you know, Ro, Harry... Harry doesn't really recognize effort, he recognizes results. And he's not seeing the effort, he'll, he'll recognize the result when the result comes, but he's not recognizing the effort. And so I came and I shared that with Harry, and Harry was like, you're right, that's what I do. I see results. And so him and the Holy Spirit have had this lovely time discussing that, and, um, and, and we've started working on that. Yeah, just, just to let everybody in on the process, um, when you first shared that with me, that I don't see effort, my question, I didn't, say, I didn't say right away that she was right. It, it took me a while <laughs> to get to that. I've, I've erased that off my mind um, when the process of you... Yeah, that's, 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 that's the quick version. But, but the short version, the longer, longer, slightly longer version was like she told me that she was praying about me. That's great. And the Lord told her something about me that he hadn't told me about me, which is also lovely. Um, <laughs> And, 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 it, and it was that I don't see um, effort, that I don't see the effort that she puts in in this particular area. And, um, and so my question was, I said, okay, well, could you, could you, could you tell me what, what the effort is, right? So that then I'll see it. You, 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 you show it to me and then I'll see it. And that, that particular day, she wasn't feeling safe enough to tell me because apparently I was using my work voice. And... <laughs> Which is a thing. Um, we talked about that last week. And so when I'm using my work voice, I'm a little more dogmatic and maybe even defensive even somewhat and just more analytical, um, which is not helpful when she's trying to be vulnerable. So she says, I just don't feel like I can share that right now. Um, and so I had to say, okay, because uh, well, what are you going to do? No, I won't be defensive. I'm not using my work voice. That's exactly what she said. So you can't, like, it's just, you're just, stuck. So I was like, okay, well, uh, we'll table this. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And so then uh, it was like in a couple of days, um, we were laying in bed and talking and I wasn't using my work voice at all. And I said, Hey, I haven't used my work voice all day. I don't think like, how about that thing about the effort? Like maybe you could tell me where I am missing the effort that you're putting in. And she still didn't feel open to sharing. Um, she said she was going to write it down and, like, give it to me in a piece of paper or something. Like, it's 1920. And I thought, okay, well, that, but, you know, but that, that's part of these difficult conversations that we talked about last week is giving that person space that if they don't feel safe to share something, then don't make them share it. Um, but one thing that you did say that night, um, uh, we were talking about how... Um, because I was mentioning the areas that I do see effort. I'm like, well, I see that you put effort in this. I see that you put effort in that. And there were all things that had to do with results. Um, and that's where you said, well, you, you recognize results, but not effort. And then I had to go away and pray about what the heck is the difference <laughs> between the two. Because effort without results is called failure. Like, 
you know, like, like the, 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 and it's probably just where I grew up. And Peter and I were talking about this because like the home that we grew up in, um, effort wasn't necessarily, you know, celebrated. Results were celebrated. And, you know, um, my favorite team, the Lions, nobody seems to, eff- to recognize all the effort they put in. It's just the fact they keep losing. That's all they talk about. And so the results are like, I'm a result-driven person. I think much of our society is. And so for me, if I put a lot of effort into something and it just falls flat on its face, I really don't want somebody saying, hey, you really tried really hard. I know, and it didn't work. You know, that's actually like not good. I would rather try really little and then it failed. And that's because I tried so little. But if I try really hard at something and I'm still not getting it, then it's, it's a bit of an insult to say, boy, I know you tried really hard and just couldn't do it, could you? It's like, oh man, you know, I don't want that. So this is, so, I don't know if this is something you couples will deal with, but I have noticed that she really puts a lot of emphasis on effort. And so I've been trying to figure out how in the world are these things different? And one thing I've noticed is that, for instance, like if I'm um, doing stuff for the church or I'm staying here late or whatever, she'll say something like, um, I really appreciate how hard you work. And that's interesting because has, that has nothing to do with what I accomplish or what I produce. I appreciate what I might produce, but she actually just says, I appreciate how hard you work. And so I think recognizing effort from my perspective, and you can elaborate if you like, but I think it has more to do with appreciating effort saying thank you for effort. I think that's something that I'm learning is just simply to say thank you because to recognize or to celebrate to me would be, well, did it get done? Did it work? Um, But to, to thank a person for the effort that they are putting in, I think is so helpful. And that's something that I had to learn and am still learning, still trying to decide. So was that effort or was that results? Um, because I like the kind of effort that produces results personally. Um, but, uh, but to be able to appreciate in her and really in, in others, uh, this will do wonders in your family, um, your extended family. For those of you that are going home for the holidays, um, people are so quick to complain about results. Like on Facebook, they're just dogging their family. and uh, They voted for this person and they just always talk about that. And it's just like there's all this division in the family because we're always only looking at results. And yet if we could, I think, see past some of the results and actually look at some of the, the cost that these people are putting into um, the effort that they're putting in, I think we could at least appreciate that and thank them for that. And I think that would actually go a long way when they feel recognized and seen and heard. Yeah, and so that's one way the Holy Spirit will talk to you about your spouse. Um, the Holy Spirit will also talk to you about you. Um, uh, there have been several times when I've been praying for Roe that God would, you know, speak to her and save her and um, bring, her, bring her into his loving arms. And, um, and then God will speak to me, right? God will speak to me about, about me. Um, for instance, we were having a conversation, another difficult conversation. Uh, this is a while. It's like a year ago or so. And we were in the kitchen, which is a bad idea. Don't have difficult conversations in the kitchen because um, that's like a workplace, you know. And you, so you go into work voice. And so we were, we were, we were, we, we, we were sitting there talking. And um, <clears throat> what is it? You, you had said uh, you, were, you were just sharing with me about uh, difficult stuff in your day and, and people. And, and you were sort of getting 
um, not worked up, but you were, you, you were upset by it. It was bothering you. And so I kind of just jumped in there and said, well, look, you know, you really can't, like, people are going to be people and da-da-da-da. And I just started trying to, you know, preach to her a really good sermon, actually. She, she wasn't even taking notes, but it was good. There were some good points in there. And, um, and she just wasn't, and not only was she not taking notes, but she was bothered by that. And she was like, well, you know, why can't you just listen to me? Why do you have to try to fix everything? And I'm like, well, I'm trying. And, and, and so then she goes off to bed. And so I'm downstairs praying that God would help her receive my powerful sermons because it would change her life, you know? Like my perspective is like, you know? And, and so I'm praying about that. And, and God began speaking to me about me because I was like, and by the way, Lord, what is so wrong about trying to solve people's problems? Isn't this what I do 24 seven for the church? Isn't that what every Sunday aren't I doing? Like, is there something really bad about trying to help people get better? And um, God said, no, there's nothing wrong for that. Uh, but, but why are you doing it? And I said, well, cause I really care about her and want her to be a perfect, amazing person. But I knew that that wasn't exactly true because honestly, I have a lot more patience for you all when you're telling me your problems. Yeah, their stuff. And, and I listen, and I give some advice and then you go home and it's awesome. <laughs> and I go home and it's great. And it's like, I have a lot of patience for people who are about to go home. You know what I'm saying? But like, when, when we are home, I'm like, can't we hurry up and get this fixed? Because if you get in a, a weird attitude or whatever, it's gonna affect us and me and I'm not gonna, and I, so, so God began to show me that actually I was trying to love her out of fear, out of fear that she'd feel a certain way and that would affect our home. And actually I've seen pastors do this too. It can, it can spill into that as well. So afraid someone's going to leave the church, and so you just really try to fix all their stuff because you don't want them to, you know, stop serving. It's, it's selfish is what it is. And so God sort of preached a sermon to me. And uh, I woke up the next morning and said, I'm sorry for, I'm, I'm, I, the reason why I'm so pushy is because I'm afraid. I'm not pushy when I'm not afraid. I let people share. I, let, I give them space. But man, when fear comes in, it's like, hey, we got to get control of this real quick. We got to deal with this real quick. I get pushy when I get afraid. And it was really wise stuff that he was saying. I just, that's not what I needed right then. I just needed a listening ear. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And, I've, yeah. and I've learned that really if you just get the fear out, then you know when it's good to listen and when it's good to share. And even in pastoring, when the, when the fear has been out for the past three and a half years with City Chapel, I know when to share, when to push, and when to listen because there's no fear there. There's no personal, I'm not being personally driven. It's just, I'm just focused on you. I'm listening to you. And I'm saying, what does the Holy Spirit have to say to you? And sometimes it's not much. And sometimes it's a lot. But the whole leaning on the Holy Spirit will help you understand, is this, is this, is this a personal need that I have? Is this a personal thing? Or is this really, truly something that she's going through that I need to pray for her about? Yeah. As you get closer to the Lord, he will start dealing with your motivations for doing things. Not mm. so much your behavior. Your, your behavior might look pretty clean, but he'll, mm. he'll check your motivations. And another one that he's checked for me, he's checked fear for me and doing things out of fear and guilt is the other one yeah. that will often motivate us and the Holy Spirit has challenged me on that not 
um, doing things to appease Harry or my kids or whatever because I feel guilty. Mm. But actually choosing to love them, and I might behave a different way if I'm choosing to love them, or I might behave the same, but it's a different motivation. Stopping and checking, why am I motivated to do this right now? Yeah, one brings life. It brings water when you're motivated by love. It brings water to your soul. It brings water to your marriage. But the other brings death when you're motivated by guilt. Because then you're just you're keeping score. And love keeps no score. It's Corinthians, love it keeps no record. It doesn't keep track. But when you're motivated by guilt and fear, you're keeping score. You're keeping track. And that brings death. And so to lean on the Holy Spirit is to lean personally, one, but also as, as a team. For us together, there have been things that we have faced and there are things that we are going to face um, that we've even talked about, you know, things that we're going to face just as we get older, just getting old. You know, I'm 38 um, and she's 43. Yeah. But He's talking about menopause. He was, he was away the other night and I watched a documentary. I told you I love documentaries. I watched a documentary on menopause and I said to him, when ladies, got home, don't do that. Don't, I said, babe, I watched a that. horror movie while you were away. <laughs> babe. Do you know what is going to happen to me? He's like, it's all right, sweetheart. We'll deal with it as a team. I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, as a team, you know, and that's the key. As a team, we're going to lean on the Holy Spirit for every situation. Uh, the stuff we know about that's coming, like menopause, and the stuff we don't know about that's coming, uh, the injury or sickness or disease or cancer, all kinds of surprises that just that just overwhelm you. But if we can be leaning on the Holy Spirit, and so this is why it's so important that in our marriage right now that we have the Holy Spirit in the middle, that Jesus is in the middle of our marriage because there are times when, when she can't lean on me because I haven't been very reliable. And there are times when I can't lean on her because she hasn't been very reliable. The Holy Spirit is the only thing in between us that we can constantly lean on. This is the hope. This is the hope for every marriage, is that, is that if, if you stand up on that side, that she's on one side, I'm on the other, and that the Holy Spirit is in the middle. He's this invisible, solid force that, that if we can come together in agreement on, on the Holy Spirit, if we can touch, if we can just touch right there, if we can come into agreement right there. There have been, time, there, there, there have been couples that we've talked to where they've had infidelity, and one can't trust the other. And so they, they, they sit down and meet with us. And I say, well, I understand why you can't trust him or her. I understand why that's not working for you right now. Can you trust the Holy Spirit, though? Can you lean on the Holy Spirit? Has he ever cheated on you? Has he ever let you down? Has he ever abandoned you? No, he's never lied to you. He's never, you can lean on the Holy Spirit. And so, so if we can have the Holy Spirit in our marriage, I can lean on the Holy Spirit knowing that God has called me to love her based on the vows that I made, based on, and, and, and that's something that you really do have to believe, that the moment that you came together as, as a couple, Jesus said, the two became one. And Jesus then said, whatever God has brought together. Hold on, I thought I, thought I made that decision. I thought I walked down the aisle. 
I thought I no no no. Jesus said whatever God has brought together. So so yeah, you did make the decision and you did come forward and you did. We even wrote our own vows, you know, because um, we're modern people. And so you know, we even did that. Uh, but even if you walk down and you make the vows, God does something though in that moment when you're before God and before your friends and family and you make a vow, a covenant with with, with this person. God comes in and does something. He makes you one. He connects you. He, he binds you together and you become one, but he never intended you to be one without him. And so he's the one who made you one. So you have to keep him in the middle to stay one. If, if he starts to seep out of your relationship, if you, and this is why scripture is so, so it, it has so many warnings about do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit with sin, when sin comes in between you instead of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a dove and doves freak out pretty easily. And so if you scare the Holy Spirit off the porch of your life, it will affect not just your own heart, but it'll affect this relationship right here. It'll mess this up because, because what will happen is you're, you're not one anymore. And you're not leaning on the Holy Spirit. You're over here trying to work on your stuff. You're over here trying to get you right. And she's over there trying to work on menopause and 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 you're over here <laughs> not yet uh and you're over here trying to work on your attitude and you're you're two separate individuals trying to get where only the holy spirit can bring you only god can bring two people together and make them one and when god gets out of it there is no hope for oneness there is no hope for unity there is the, at best you can be civil at best you can sort of forgive occasionally and sort of be roommates and kind of you know work things out that way but it's not what god intended it's a stump of a life but if for this thing to grow the holy spirit must come in the middle of it he must come in between and you must lean on the holy spirit in all things which means you get other stuff out of the way other stuff has to, there, like, 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 like the stuff that you brought in to the marriage, even addictions that you brought into the marriage is going to have to go for you to stay one. I mean, I mean, all sexual addictions, I mean, all alcoholism, alcohol addictions, alcohol, man, will, 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 will grieve the Holy Spirit in your marriage. And it's amazing to me. I, I was I was I was talking to some uh, to somebody a while back, and 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 I was asking this 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 man about al alcohol. How how much are you drinking? What's going on with that? And uh, you know, throughout the day, when are you drinking? And he's oh, I never drink on the job. I said, well, why not? You know, I mean, I know why not, but I'm just wondering his thinking. Uh, he said, well, because it could be dangerous, right? If, if you're not in your right mind, messing with powerful things, you could lose a limb, you could lose a life. But also there's other clients that, that I have to talk to. And if, I, if I'm not in my quite right mind, then, you know, I won't have any more clients. My clients will leave me because, you know, they, they don't want to deal with that. And it's amazing. We're so careful not to lose our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> We're, why? Why? Because we want to save up enough money to, to keep a roof over our heads, to build a house. We spend so much time building a house that this home, we'll gladly drink around this because we don't need to be fully present for that. I mean, we, we don't want our clients to leave us, but you know, I mean, if she decides to do whatever she's going to do, I guess. it's crazy how what's even more like the very reason why you have your job is so that you can sustain this life. 
And then if you prioritize your job over the life, you're missing the whole purpose for the job. You would be better to drink on the job than to drink at home. If it gets you to a place where you're inebriated and you're not present and you're not there. But we skip out on that stuff because we were raised to, to, to always respect our job, but not always respect our home. And for us to come together, the Holy Spirit is not going to, he's not going to stick around for that. He's not going to stick around for drunkenness. He's not going to stick around for pornography. He's not going to stick around for that. You, you think it's not affecting this. You think, oh no, this is me over here. I'm dealing with it. No, man, this is, it's affecting the whole connection that you have with your spouse. And sometimes they don't even know, and you don't even know what's causing the break in the connection. Well, I can tell you the Holy Spirit went right out of your home because of the things that you've been watching in your home, because of the, the movies you've been allowing your kids to watch, because of the conversations and the gossip that's happening in your home. The Holy Spirit won't stand for gossip. It won't stand for judgmentalism and tearing down other people. He doesn't do, he doesn't like that. He says, oh, this, is, this, is, this, isn't my, this, isn't, this isn't what I'm used to. The, the dove of the Holy Spirit doesn't like that. And he will, he will leave the middle of your marriage. And sometimes, it's some, sometimes, man, all the struggles that you're facing is because you've put something else in the middle other than the Holy Spirit. And this is where I would warn you. In-laws cannot come in the middle. <laughs> your mom doesn't need to be in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? Or dad. We'll throw out dads in there too. I'm just... I don't know, stream of consciousness. No, seriously, like, 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 the, and, and this is something, this is not in scripture. So I don't know, you can sit down and feel like, this is not in the Bible. This is just, this is just the, written in my Bible. And this is something that my parents taught me. This is my opinion, is that we, if we are one, then if my parents have an issue with her, they don't need to go to her. They need to go to me. Because we are one. And so if, not that they would ever have any issues with you whatsoever. That's because she's practically perfect in every way. Like Mary Poppins. <laughs> but if, and if in some universe that ever happened, you know, and, and this is something that, that my parents have talked to me about. That this is, that this is, th these are some boundaries. Like, 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 and, 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 and I'm not the messenger for my mom. Right? So, so, or, or, or my dad or my family, if they tell me, you know, she needs to change this, it's not my job to go say, okay, so you really need to change. <laughs> and then say, okay, well, she says she doesn't want to change that. Okay, well, you really do need to change that. Well, she says she's really not going to, and that I can tell you, oh, never mind. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 like, you do not want your other family in the middle of this family. And, and, same, and same thing goes with her. If her parents ever have an issue with me, they can go directly to her and we can, she can say to her parents, I can say to my parents, because honestly, I haven't, I haven't abandoned my, my family. I love my family. They're involved in my life. But the Bible does say for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, leave and be joined to his wife. But they're still in my life. I still honor my parents and I still want their input and I still want their advice and I want them to see what's going on over here and to give me another perspective, which is kind of 
the, the other ditch you can fall in. On the one hand, you can never leave your parents, and then your parents are always in here kind of trying to organize everything. But the other ditch is you can just completely leave your parents and say, you know what, I don't care what you say. You, you don't have anything to say to me, and I'm just going to live my life. And that's not good either because then you miss out on the wisdom that your parents have to bring you. The wisdom that they could offer you because they've been down the road a little ways. And they can offer you some wisdom. They can say, Harry, it seems like this isn't quite working the way it should. And I'll say, thank you. I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. I'll talk to Roe about it. We'll see what God wants us to do. But never, like, throw your spouse to the in-laws. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't marry her. They didn't raise her. I did. I, ra I, I married her, and um, some other lovely people raised her. But they don't, they're, they're invested in me because they raised me, and they love me, and they know me so well that if I can listen to them and if I can glean from them and if I can grow from them but not allow them to become, because sometimes I think in the absence of the Holy Spirit, it's just nice to have a parent to lean on. If we're not leaning on the Holy Spirit, it's nice to have a, a loving parent to lean on. And, and yet that's not going to help your marriage. It, it, the best parent in the world, the most perfect parent in the world, whoever they may be, they don't belong in the middle. Only the Holy Spirit can, can be trusted with that weight of your life, leaning on the Holy Spirit. And as we lean on the Holy Spirit together, uh, we draw closer together. And sometimes uh, while leaning on the Holy Spirit, you may, uh, I don't know, I've had some people say, yes, Harry, uh, Pastor, I'm doing that. I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, but my spouse is just not. My spouse just doesn't care. My spouse is over in the corner. So not that you would ever do that, but let's just say for illustration's sake, you're over in the manger corner doing your own thing, uh, or, the, or the edge of the couch, sure, um, and, and I'm over here leaning on the Holy Spirit, and there's still distance, there's still gap between us, and as I talk to spouses, I mean, it's, it's true, sometimes that's the case, sometimes one person in the marriage just doesn't want to be close to God, doesn't want to lean on the Holy Spirit, wants to continue in whatever they may have going on in their life. But if I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, one, one question I always ask is, okay, so if you're leaning on the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit doing in this moment? Is the Holy Spirit standing off to the side, watching Roe in her sin, judging her? Is that what the Holy Spirit is doing? No. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So even when we resist the Spirit, even when we run away from the Spirit, there's still the seeking of God, that God is seeking, going to and fro throughout the earth, seeking people, reaching out to them. And so if I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, and Roe is not, Roe is far from the Spirit, the Spirit that is in our home is going to start reaching out to her. He's going to start moving this way. And so I, I always question, are you really leaning on the Spirit if you're still over here? You've done your 50%, and now, honey, come on. 
Go, go, get a stretch arm. Let's get, out, let's get over here. Let's get this, cover that. Is your way. You got 10%. I got 50 over here. It's 40% in between. And, and but the, God doesn't keep track of percentages. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep track of that stuff. The Holy Spirit covers the gap. He moves over and he comes into contact with your spouse. He's drawing your spouse. He wants your spouse to be with him. He wants your spouse to repent. He wants your spouse to turn to him. And so if you're really leaning on the spirit, you're going to have the same heart that the spirit has, which is a heart of redemption and restoration and forgiveness before there's an apology and welcome and acceptance in the beloved in Christ Jesus. And this is where she is. And it is love that ought to bring her over. It is acceptance that ought to, all right. It is acceptance that ought to bring her over. It's, 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 the, it's the, the love of God that, that draws us in. It's the mercy of God that brings us to repentance. He's, that he's so gracious that even in the middle of our sin, even in the midst of our rebellion, he, he calls out to us and he draws us in. And so I want to encourage you today, even if you're married to somebody who you feel is kind of far from God and they're not that interested that's all right. You press into Jesus. You lean on the Holy Spirit. And you'll be surprised at the times when the Holy Spirit says, how about you be merciful to this person? How about you be gracious to this person? How about you not return an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? How about you, how about you cover the ground and, and give them a hug? How about you cover the ground and express their love language? How about you cover the ground and, and bless them? Marriage is, uh, a, a godly marriage is never 50-50. A divorce is 50-50. But a godly marriage is, is, is 100%. We're 100% leaning on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is leading us for how we should respond and how we should react. And even leading us on, 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 on our own desires. You know, there's been times when I've uh, just had spiritual dreams where God has shown me that, that I felt like stuff that I was really concerned about wasn't being looked at at all. And so I've prayed about that. And I said, well, Lord, okay, so how do I do that? How do I change this? And I don't, I can't change her. And honestly, I can barely change myself. And so I've, I've prayed about it. And I said, Lord, what should I do? Should I change what I want or should I change or should I pray that you change her? And I just prayed for both. Lord, if, this is, if what I want is what you want, then change her. But if what I want is not what you want, then change me. Because when you're leaning on the Holy Spirit, ultimately what you want is what God wants. And this is something that uh, I've shared with a few people this week. And I, it started on Monday because I was talking to Madden. And um, Madden's about to turn 10, January 21st, which is shocking. She's our oldest. And um, they always ask me, um, before they go to bed for a bedtime story, they just ask me to share a story about a particular age of my life. And so they just pick an age, and I, I, I share a story. And so um, Madden chose 10, because she's about to be 10. And so I was, for some reason, the biggest memory, well, one of the bigger memories of when I was 10 years old is on my birthday, when I turned 10, um, my friends were coming over. We were going to go to uh, Little Caesar's Pizzeria, which is like, um, what is that they have here, the... 
No, 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 no. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, there's like little robot guys and like games and the, the you know, ball game. And, and so we were going there. It's in Detroit. And um, uh, but I remembered I forgot to have my prayer time. I forgot to have my 15 minutes of prayer time beforehand. And I thought, oh, man, my friends are about to come over. I got to go. So I remember going to my bedroom, setting the alarm like I always did and just praying for. I don't know why I remember that prayer time of all the thousands of prayer times that I've had. But for some reason, I just remembered that particular prayer time. And I remember those 15 minutes. I remember that I was running late and I just remember praying. I remember even a lot of the things I was praying about. And so I was sharing that with the kids. Like, you know, that's one of my memories. And so I said, man, and by the way, how often are you praying every day or how long are you praying? And uh, she was praying about five minutes a day because that's what we had talked about earlier in the year. And I said, okay, you're about to be 10. We need to up it to 15 minutes a day. Um, not because you get brownie points in heaven for more minutes that you pray. Not, not because there's any legalism to it, but because honestly, I don't know any other way to lean on the Holy Spirit. It's not, this is not a mental attitude shift that you can, ha- that you can do here on, at church. You know, at the end of service, all right, everyone who wants to lean on the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. Cool. Now you're leaning. You're, you're going to be walking like this for the rest of the day. Go on out. Go on out. Go vote for what, what gingerbread house. And, and, and you're, you're leaning on the Spirit. Now, no, that's not what happens. It's, it's this daily dedication to do the stuff that you know God wants you to do, like pray, like talk to him, even when you feel uninspired by it. Even at 10 years old, I wasn't like getting all these downloads from heaven. I was just, I was just setting an alarm and asking God for stuff for 15 minutes. It was not like deep stuff. It was just, it was just what I knew to do. And then I was reading my Bible for 15 minutes a day. And I, like, that was me for years. That was me for like 10, 11, 12. I started feeling like God was calling me to ministry. 13, 14, God definitely called me to preach. But, but, but it, I don't know any other way to lean on the Holy Spirit than a daily decision to make him a, at least somewhat of a bedrock in my life. Like you're not leaning on the spirit if you're never talking to him. You're not leaning on the spirit if you're never reading his word. If you're not trying to figure out what he's saying and in every single situation, you're not leaning on him. You might feel nice toward him and that's good. But to truly lean on the Holy Spirit, you have to prioritize him. You have at least half of the amount of time you spend on Facebook. Like give him that maybe, you know, just divide it in half and be like, all right, 50% to Facebook, 50% to Jesus. You know I mean? Just do that even. And your prayer life will like go through the roof, you know, or your social media. Will, I'm fasting from social media. Uh, you know, I mean, this, I don't know how that's going to work, but either way, it's going to be a blessing to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like he's got to have an actual, actual real place, like a real place you go to in your house, your closet, your bedroom. I, I usually chose the bathroom because it's private in there, you know, and I don't know. And, I, and it's not because me and my brother shared a room. And so I don't like, but you got to find a space because I don't know any other way other than the good old fashioned close yourself in a room and say, I'm going to connect with God. And if I hear something, great. If I don't hear anything, fine. I'm just going to connect with God today and then I'll do it tomorrow and then I'll do it the next day and then I'll do it the next day. And it was in those connections where God spoke to me and I learned to hear from him. And that's why I want my daughter to spend 15 minutes a day. Even if she just kind of says, I don't know what to say. Great. Don't say anything. Just listen. Uh, Once you run out of stuff, just listen. Read the Bible. I don't know. 
take a pic. But if, but if, 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 if Samuel was in the right place when he heard from God, he's near, he, he was sleeping, but God called to him and he was living in the right place. And if we can, if we can bring our lives into a, alignment with, with what he's calling us to do, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, you'll start hearing from him. Your emotions will follow. Your feeling, your intuition will follow. And the kind of stuff that, that we're talking about, it's not weird. It's not abnormal. This is not like only for pastors. You don't have to be super spiritual. In fact, we're kind, I'm kind of behind in terms of spirituality, you know, and according to my heroes, you know, like this is just, this is what God has on offer for everybody, no matter how you grew up. Maybe you weren't praying 15 minutes a day when you're 10 years old. It doesn't matter. You can start right now. He can take you right now, right where you're at. And you can have this relationship with God, not this religion. Oh, I got to go to church on Sunday. No, you can have a relationship with God. And it's in that relationship, out of that relationship, that this relationship is blessed, that our children are blessed. Because I don't know any other way. I, I'm not a therapist. This isn't a conference. This is, this is just, the Holy Spirit has more to say than just here on Sunday morning with us singing Bethel songs. He, he wants to, or Hillsong or whatever. I mean, it's good, but it's not, it's not the goods. The goods are what bring me here. This is like the top, but the goods are what make me grateful, what make me thankful, what make me worship. Because of, of these, these private moments, these breakthroughs in my marriage, these breakthroughs in my personal life. So I would just like to pray over you if that's all right. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit into your life, you can make a decision to follow him today. You can absolutely make a shift in your heart and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and, and me, I'm going to serve the Lord. If I'm a single person, I'm, I'm dedicating my life to him. You can absolutely make that decision today. And God will honor that decision. And he'll bless that decision. He'll come alongside that. So, Father, we come before you today. And those of us who want to make a decision to follow you, Father, I pray that, that we would do that right now. We would abandon our way. We would turn away from our way of thinking, our way of dealing with things, our way of sinning. <laughs> that we'd turn and we'd get some of the sin out of our lives. Some of us have made a decision to follow you years ago, but we've allowed sin to come into our lives. We've allowed compromise to come into our hearts. And it's, it's, it's not only blowing up our marriage, it's blowing up our own hearts and our own peace and our own joy. We don't have peace and joy. But Lord, I pray that the God who is the source of hope would so fill us with peace and joy as we trust in him. That as we lean on him, as we put our weight, the full weight of our life, the weight of the results even of our prayers, that we don't just, we don't just, we don't just ask you for stuff, but that we also trust you that whatever the results are that you want us to have, you will give us the power, the ability to walk through that, whether it be a financial situation or a court situation or a, a family situation or a custody situation. Lord, we, we trust you with the results we won't get mad at you if you don't do what we want you to do. You're not our, we're not your God. You are our God. And so we choose to kneel to you. You call the shots. You make the plans. You execute the plans. You, we, we obey. We, we listen. And our, our goal is to be pleasing to you, to do what you want us to do in this life. At the end of this thing, to say, I, I obeyed God. I don't know if it was, you know, incredibly 
glorious or fruitful or powerful. I wasn't on YouTube, but I obeyed God. I, I did what God asked me to do. I, I, I committed to the commitments God asked me to commit to. I stayed true to the life that God asked me to live. I raised the family that God asked me to raise. I love the spouse that God asked me to love. So many worldly mindsets that really is, is just demonic. And we rebuke those ways of thinking. We come against those, those, those selfish ways of thinking that really just ask, what would make you happy? <laughs> but the enemy knows we'll never find happiness by seeking it, which is why he, gets, why he tries so hard to get us to seek it. He knows that our greatest joy, the only chance to be filled with peace and joy is to lean on God who is the source of hope. As we constantly seek happiness, we miss out on the God who is the source of hope. And so, Lord, may we, may we run from this crazy philosophy. May we run from this crazy world that we are living in, this upside down, divided, divisive, judgmental, short-tempered world that we are living in. And may we lean on God. May we lean on the one who's good and healthy and loving and balanced and pure, whose motives are always right, whose joy is, is filling every crevice of our life. Come and fill our lives with joy as we lean on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.